Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Holy Human with Leanne Rimes is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy you're here with me today. My guest today started out posting thought-provoking quotes on social media, hoping to inspire his friends. And today, Mastin Kip is a number one best-selling author and speaker, and he's inspired millions of people and is heralded as an up-and-coming thought leader of the next generation of spiritual thinkers. And he now joins me for This Holy Human. Thank you so much for coming on the Holy Human Podcast. I've been following your work over Instagram is how I discovered you. That's so um, cool. Yeah, several months ago. And f- I just found out that you were actually a manager in the music industry, which I had no idea about because I know you as a functional life coach. Yeah. So how I'm I'm always amazed and and really, you know, blown away by someone who has such a radical shift in their journey oh. like that. Um, can you share a little bit of your story and what caused you to start to look for greater purpose in your life? Absolutely. And uh, before I do, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me yeah. and uh, for reaching out. It's a real honor to be here. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I moved to the to, to Los Angeles to, to, I had a very specific goal. I wanted to work at a company called The Firm and oh, then yeah. I wanted to be, um, uh, which we can talk about. I, I did. And then I wanted to run Fred Durst's record label, Flawless Records at Geffen, which I ended up doing. Oh. I, I did both of those things. I had met Fred uh, in like 1996 on the Warp Tour uh, uh-huh. in Lawrence, Kansas, many moons ago. I was a very young child at that time, like I don't know, 14, 15, 16 years old. And he was friends with a buddy of mine who sold toys and would always bring Fred Durst toys at different concerts. And we were always kind of backstage. And so my high school experience was like backstage with corn and Limp Bizkit and no one would believe me on the weekends <laughs> and stuff like that. And when I got to L.A., I, I was very serious about it and I found it and ended up working there. And, you know, I mean... What's coming out now in terms of just the general vibe of the Hollywood, right, Mm -hmm. in terms of how traumatizing it is and the culture of it, how toxic it is. I felt that one of my first days on the job, I saw one of my bosses come in, literally with a hammer, slam a BlackBerry in like a, that's how long ago it was, a BlackBerry. Oh my God. In a case because it like wasn't working. And I was just like, I guess this is normal. I'll do what I can. Um, (laughs) And eventually, it was first one in, last one out, drugs, all, all that stuff. 
but I was so in awe. Like we put together the MTV tribute for 9-11. Like we helped produce that. And I was like, oh my God, like I was just this kid in Kansas. Now I'm helping with something like this. And right. as you know, it's just the, the connection that's there is just so mm-hmm. amazing. But then it's contrasted by all this toxicity yeah. on the back end. And um, at the end of the day, long story short, I just kind of decided, and this is not present party, present, present company excluded, but the artists that we were working with were so inconsistent that it was also scary to think about, oh my God, like if they overdose or whatever, <laughs> then my career is not going to do so well. So it was just, I was just so much toxicity that I decided like I had to get out and I started loving personal development, not because I wanted to teach it because I really needed it, you know, mm-hmm. to like get clean, get sober. I wanted to feel as good <laughs> off the drugs as I did on the drugs because I felt good on them when I first started doing them. Right. And I think I started doing this work because I started posting quotes on MySpace. That's how long ago oh, it was. Oh, wow. That was a you long know? time ago. Yeah. And people responded to it. And I, honestly, Leanne, I came kicking and screaming into this career mm-hmm. because in my head, I wanted to be like who Scooter Braun is today or something right. like that. Right, right. Um, that's what I wanted to become. But nothing worked out when I did the music business for after a while. But think this path opened up. And then when I started working with people, I was like, well, I'll help them. And, you know, when you're you're a manager, you don't have like limiting beliefs come up about should we book this tour, right? Like, it's just like we get it done and we talk to William Morris or whoever and we make it happen. So when I was working with clients and they would say they're going to do something, they didn't do something. It was very confusing for me. And eventually after asking why enough, I realized that most people have been through very hurtful things Mm -hmm. uh, that inform why they weren't doing things. And that explained a lot of artists that I had worked with. And I was like, oh, there's this painful thing that people are going through. And I was like, why is nobody talking about this? This seems kind of <laughs> Interesting. important. And it kind of evolved from there. But that's a very brief right, right, right. synopsis you Interesting. Know, of yeah. the process. This music industry is so fucked up. Yeah. It really is. I've been in it since I was 13. So when, yeah. we, when we talk about trauma, like yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm actually finally, as a recent really being honest about some of the trauma that I've been through in Mm. the industry, because I think to have, I mean, I've been in it for 25 years basically. And to, to survive this industry, there's a certain amount of denial that comes with it. Big time. And I feel it so deeply in my body when I think about it. Cause I, I know how much denial I've had to, how much I've had to deny my own reality in order to just survive it. And yeah. so it's, it's fascinating. I, I think that's why I was so drawn to your work. Oh. I've done so much. I've done so many things in the last eight years of so many different modalities of healing and working on myself. And that's really how this whole podcast came about. Yeah. Um, that I, but when it comes to trauma and specifically yeah. trauma informed, first off, I don't sometimes I don't even know if people know what we're talking about when with sure. and or if they're even if we even, like I said, are willing to admit, you know, that we have been through it. And, yeah. you know, you take what you call a trauma informed approach to to healing for someone who might not be familiar with your work. Can you explain what sure. that is? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like talking about trauma is like talking about cancer or something really scary. <laughs> and so like be- before I even define it, I just want to say that when you do your trauma work, like that's what helps you achieve the goals to, you know, not stop and start and stop and start and procrastinate, but actually to finish things, to be happier, to whatever you're doing, to change your life. Like it's like miracle growth for that modality, right? When you start to do the trauma work. So like there's a lot of benefit to doing the trauma work and the somatic work. And Mm -hmm. trauma is not like just the capital T trauma that we think of. We think of, you know, abuse or neglect, or we think of, you know, wartime trauma and stuff like that, shock trauma, things that result in like really like egregious, obvious physical injury. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we think of like blunt force trauma and stuff like that. And all those things are trauma. But what we're really focused on when we talk about like emotional trauma is the invisible trauma that doesn't bleed. Right. Right. It's it's a neuro it's a neurochemical imbalance. There are pathways in the body that don't link up when they should. Parts of our psyche gets fragmented that you don't see on X-rays or MRIs or mm-hmm. you know, alt CT scans and stuff like that. Trauma informed means that you're aware of what trauma is and that you're aware of the impact and the systems that produce the trauma. And then you do your best. This comes from SAMHSA. Um, you do your best to, you know, integrate those understandings into your you know, company values, into how you do things, into your day to day life. It does not mean that you're qualified to work with someone who has trauma necessarily because right. trauma informed and trauma trained are very different. Okay. Um, but basically it just means you understand that like, yeah, there's a unique type of trauma for, I don't know, black people. And then there's even a different type of trauma for mixed race people. Right. And there's a different type of trauma for 
you know, women, and there's a different type of trauma for the LGBTQIA plus community, the BIPOC community. And you're able to say, yeah, that's there. Right. And mm-hmm. like, we're not doing that as a culture right now. Uh, we're still in sort of that trauma denial, but right. <laughs> it's becoming more and more obvious um, that obviously there's, there's trauma there. Um, but being, being understand that that's what it is. And then let's define trauma. So yes, you please. can get a million different definitions. Um, I think most of them are really bad, actually, <laughs> uh, especially the one from the DSM-5, which is where all the diagnosis come from. So it really right. talks about something that's really shocking and all this stuff. And it, that's not really what trauma is. It can be. But I define trauma as a, I call myself an NMD, which is not a medical doctor. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, um, but I define trauma as any experience, it's kind of verbose, but it's any experience of threat, disconnection, isolation, or immobilization. So mm-hmm. threat, disconnection, isolation, or immobilization that leads to the long-term dysregulation or non-optimal functioning of your emotions, your brain, your body, your health, or your spirit. I got it. So basically right? life. <laughs> life. And, that, and that's <laughs> the whole point, right? Is that like, it's way more invasive than we realize and it's way more impactful than we realize and if you're not in a pretty much a joyful state, uh, feeling like you're living on purpose, then there's probably a trauma response there. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just have to have a more nuanced definition and conversation about what that trauma is. And then how'd you get it and where'd it come from? And how does that inform why what you're doing now makes complete sense based on your history? Right. Right. Which can be, as you talk about that, I'm like, oh, that's, it can almost overtake me. It can be incredibly overwhelming because when you start yeah. going on that rabbit hole, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that was traumatizing and so was that. And then so was that. And, you know, it can be very overwhelming to Big time. to even begin that conversation with ourselves. Oh, yeah. And and that's why for us, uh, like in our programs, like the first thing we teach people is we don't go to the trauma. The first thing we teach people is like how to regulate their nervous system mm-hmm. and like basically to normalize emotion. Because I think the biggest problem we have in the world today when it comes to mental health, personal growth, spiritual development is fear of emotion. And the, the, the clinical term for that is affect, which is just emotion, affect phobia, right? So we have an emotional <laughs> phobia. And what we want to do is we want to have understand, like, there's going to be these different responses in your nervous system. Here's how they are. Here's how to go there. But then here's how to go there and then come back, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people feel like if they go to depression or they go to anxiety, if they go to panic attack or overwhelm, that they'll be stuck there forever. Mm-hmm. That right. was one of my um, biggest, biggest uh, concerns when I started to touch yeah. upon all of my pain was that, oh, I, if I go there, I won't come back. That's right. It really and it's a valid concern. That. Yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, the body, yeah. you do have that experience. It can be yeah. so, it can flood you so deeply Big that time. you're like, wait, I'm not coming back from this. That's right. And, yeah. and the reason why you feel that way is because the, most likely there was a time in your history where probably when you were younger, that's how you did feel all the time, mm-hmm. right? And so it's a very valid uh, concern to have. But if you normalize emotion mm-hmm. and you help people understand the map of their nervous system, and polyvagal theory has helped us tremendously with that. To me, polyvagal theory is to mental, emotional health what like uh, the theory of relativity was the physics. Like it just changes the game completely. Which um, can, you, can you tell us what that is exactly? Basically, it's the science of safety and connection. Okay. Um, it's a neuroscience. And I don't want to get too too deep into it because I can go there. Yeah, um, but basically, <laughs> basically, in 1921, Langley wrote the book on the autonomic nervous system that was picked mm-hmm. up where Darwin left off. Okay. So 1921, Babe Ruth won his first World Series. Like, it was a long time ago. We just wrapped up right. World War I. You know, there's like, it was, you know, we just came out of the, of the last pandemic. So there was, it was a long time ago. It was the roaring 20s were about to start. And so uh, Langley wrote the book, The Autonomic Nervous System, and he focused on pathways from the brain down to the body. The technical Mm -hmm. term for those are efferent pathways from the brain to body. He kind of saw afferent pathways, body to brain, but he didn't highlight them, right? So basically because of that, that's kind of the seminal piece on the nervous system, that has like been this like kind of go-to reference manual for everybody since, which is why across the board in spirituality, personal development, and mental health, it's called mental health, right? Mental right. health, right? That's, those are all sort of uh, Langley after effects from 1921. And basically what Langley said was, is it's all about the brain and there's an on-off switch between sympathetic and parasympathetic, which is the part of you that is calm is parasympathetic. Mm-hmm. And the part of you that is stressed is sympathetic. 
Um, and that's basically it. And you, the one can't be on when the other one's on. Um, Got it. And Porges, Dr. Stephen Porges comes around and goes, ah, actually, uh, let's look at these body to brain pathways. And what he discovered is that there's not two parts of the nervous system like Langley proposed, there's actually three parts of the nervous system. And uh, basically, you can think of like a stoplight, red, yellow, mm-hmm. and green, right? Um, and it evolved as we evolved over the m- millions of years. So we have a reptilian part, we have um, a very mammalian part, but then we have this very unique human part. And depending on how much challenge we have, we go to green, yellow, or red. So if we have too much challenge, right, mm-hmm. and we can't handle something, we go straight to red, which is like, it's like a turtle with its shell and its uh, head in its shell. That's called the dorsal vagal system, uh, where you kind of immobilize, you're, you're mm-hmm. immobilized, you can't move. If there's tough challenge, but manageable challenge, then we go to yellow or sympathetic, which is fight or flight, which mm-hmm. we've heard of, right? And then when there's like a, a manageable amount of challenge, we're in green, and green's called the ventral vagal system, which is basically like you have really good heart rate variability, as you're feeling really calm, you're feeling really organized, your executive function, like the good neocortex, like the smart part of our brain mm-hmm. is like in charge. We have good breathing. We have pro-social behavior. And what's interesting is that the, the red and the green parts are parasympathetic, but they have different purposes. What we now know is that the green part helps us be pro-social, to heal, to you know, be in, have transpersonal or spiritual experiences that feel good, feel on purpose, right? And the red part is more of a hiding mm. or a mobilization thing. And what Porges also helped us understand is that you can bring green to yellow and green to red. So that it's not just on or off. You can have blended states as well. Ah, interesting. Right? Which is like the goal. Because if you think about what's, what is play when you're playing, right? You have sympathetic, you're, you're moving, you kind of have that like adrenaline going, right? But you feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. Which is different than anxiety, which is just sympathetic without that green ventral part, right? So it's, 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 it's anxiety without safety. And I then live, I, I live there often. Oh yeah, we yeah. That's very come. Me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just because I talk about it doesn't mean I've mastered. Just sort of really right, clear. right, right. Well, um, it's so interesting the play piece because yeah, I, I was just talking to my therapist the other day, and we're actually talking about how much I don't I don't play enough. I don't think we all play enough, and I think like you mentioned yeah. a really key piece is you actually have to feel safe in order to be able to to connect with play. That's right. Yeah. 100% yes. Yeah, no one's like playing while they're like feeling dangerous, right? Right. <laughs> and if you think about like a roller coaster, that's about as close as you're going to get or skydiving, which I will never do unless I had to. Do um, it. It's so fun. I just can't jump out of a good plane for no reason. I just, I just can't get there. I just can't get there. Um, it's all right. But, but, but the point is, is that like that's the closest we can get to playing with danger, right? Because right. there's that safety there. Um, and then dorsal or red, right? Red, when you mix red and green together, where mm-hmm. you have safety with immobilization, that's called spooning, hugging, meditation, sleeping, uh, right? Love making, or if you're a woman and you're pregnant, you have to be immobilized uh, at periods of time because it's like it slows you down, obviously, you're making right. your life. Um, so, but when you have red by itself, that's when you get dissociation, suicidal ideation, all that type of stuff. So um, the goal is to bring our green parts, our ventral parts, our, you can call it your higher self, your heart rate variability, your ventral vagal system, your soul, whatever you want to call it, to the other parts. And the right. problem is they don't know about each other. They feel like separate uh, parts. And then within red, yellow, and green, we have different parts of our personality that fracture off. Mm-hmm. So like everybody has multiple personalities. And the thing is they don't know about each other, right? If you really want to go for a goal, but then you're doubting it, those are polarized parts of your personality. And so we want to really start to introduce them to each other. And that's what integration is all about, which is you don't really heal trauma, you integrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm, I think I'm babbling a little bit here. No, you're not. <laughs> Actually, this is probably one of the clearest uh, explanations of the the nervous system and the way I didn't, I guess I, I'm doing it without uh, understanding of bringing yeah. the green to these different parts. And like you said, introducing them. But that's no, right. that was honestly, that was so clear. That's that was nice. like That's no, good. yeah, no. It seemed it was very um, approachable because it can be so complicated. It can't. It, sure it can. can sound really sure complicated. Can. So when someone uncomplicates shit for you, you're like, yes, I can. Yes. Di- I can digest ah. that. That feels good. Uh, ah. Good. I always worry about being too complex, so I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> and you'll be happy to know that after a super quick break, we'll be back with more Mastin Kip.
tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Welcome back, my friends. We were just discussing all the different ways our nervous system impacts so many areas of our bodies. You know, the body is so interesting because I know for myself, I've spent, like I said, a lot of time in denial, a lot of time ejecting from my body, being in my head. First off, why is it taking us so damn long to like awaken to the fact that the body oh. is a part of this? Because I, like I said, I've done so much work in the last eight years and it's, I'm just now starting to get that feeling thing that happens, like the sensations and, mm-hmm. you know, the somatic piece of it is so key and it's so uncomfortable. Oh, it's so, yeah, it sure can be. It sure can be. Yeah. And that, I think that's the part I'll, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to say something first. That's why when people start doing trauma work, if they don't understand how their nervous system works and mm-hmm. they don't know they can go to red and come back or go to yellow and come back, right? They get stuck there because that's mm-hmm. that's the trauma response. And um, she's public about this, so I can say this, which is a real honor. So recently I had the privilege of working with Jessica Mann. She was on the stand for three days, three days in the Harvey Weinstein trial. Mm-hmm. And it's her testimony that is the reason why he's behind bars. Oh, wow. And she, she, is, she is a... Uh, Force of light. She is badass. She is such an incredible human being. Um, and what's amazing is that before working with me, again, she's been public about this, is that, you know, she worked with a therapist and um, ended up not going so well. And it wasn't, it wasn't her fault. It was not her fault. The therapist had such a um, stigma around handling trauma that it was like so scary for the therapist. Oh, wow. Right. That it dysregulated the client. Right. Right. And so, like, for me, working with trauma and the regressing people is just, like, pouring water. Like, I can do it. Like, really good at it. And we mm-hmm. normalize it. And that's the point is that I think even the the, the industries have this emotional phobia mm-hmm. of, like, oh, God, you're outside the window of tolerance. It's, like, like for me, like, if, if a client's, like, oh, my God, I want to kill myself, right? I'm going to be, like, thank you. Welcome to the party. Let's talk about why you would do that. Let's, let, right. let's, let's talk about it. Why would you do that? Why would that make sense, Right. Um, and it normalizes things. And actually, when someone says something like that, most people freak out, which then pushes that part back into their yes. psyche and says, you're not welcome here. Yeah. When really, when someone says something like that, it's because they're looking for help, right? That's what they want, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just want to really normalize uh, whatever the 
Heck, I don't know if I can say that. Word. Yeah, you uh, can. Whatever, <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever, whatever the fuck something someone says, uh, we want to normalize what they're saying. Yeah, I remember one time we had a client, one of our retreats, who was having psychosis because we did a trauma regression. He thought it was Jesus for a moment. And he came up to me. He goes, Master, I am Jesus Christ, right? And most people might be like, oh, this guy's freaking out. I just went like, oh, my God, we have been waiting for you to return how are you? Where have you been? Right. And he's like, no, no, Mastin, it, it's me. It's me. And it broke the psychosis. Right. Cause I went right. right into agreement and we calmed him down and took care of him and got medical treatment. He was fine. Right. But like most people don't treat it that way. Like, oh, he's having a psychotic break. We need to like, you know, so, and yes, you have to take care of it. We have people in our, in our retreats that can take care of things like that. That happens very rarely. Even if it does, we're going to handle it. Cause it's just emotion. It's all yeah. it is. It's just emotion. Right. So I think the reason why it's taken so long, it's actually interesting, Leanne, because if you look at evolution, right, evolution and how species have evolved, human beings, at least evolutionarily, not necessarily in our behavior, but certainly by anatomy, are the most advanced creatures on the planet. I think dolphins are probably the most advanced creatures on the planet, but we, we have a really great, powerful anatomy. And if you look at like the lowest level reptile and fish and stuff, like all the way up to us now, emotion has not only been preserved as... Uh, species have gotten more complex, it's multiplied. Meaning there are more receptors the higher up you get the evolutionary ladder for emotion. There's more opiate receptors, there's more dopamine receptors, there's more endocannabinoid receptors, right? Which means nature thinks emotion is really valuable, right? Right, right. Um, Like there's something in that, right? So it's really interesting that like nature has basically said, guys, emotion's really important. And then Descartes comes around like, I think, therefore I am, right? It's like, thanks, man. I appreciate that, right? <laughs> um, and, and it's taken a long time for a lot of reasons, mostly because we've come out of survival mode as a human race. A lot of humans are still in survival mode, but we're getting mm. better at it. And I look at what's happening today, both in the context of the social movements that are happening that need to happen, but also the personal awakenings that are happening. It's actually a privilege to have these happening right now, because if you even think like 50 or 100 years ago, like... We weren't in a place where these things could happen. There was no internet. There was not enough. There wasn't enough abundance. There wasn't enough connection. And like, basically what we're saying is these old traumatic patterns are no longer useful for evolution, Mm -hmm. right? The patterns of racism, misogyny, patriarchy, colonialism, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like these things are no longer necessary, but before they were the power structures that ran the world. So you're seeing, what we're seeing is like an evolutionary leap um, into but nature's already given us, which is prioritizing emotion. But we haven't quite caught up with that yet because of you know things like money, power, and prestige and stuff like that. But it's we're breaking through. And this generation, the generation X and Z, they're gonna be amazing. I can't even imagine what their kids are gonna be like in terms right. of this type of stuff, right? Um, but um it's taken so long because it's taken so long. I don't know how else to say it. And also it's because we didn't know. Like the, all the research that everyone's right. quoting now is like new. It's brand new. It's like maximum 25 years old. Right. That's crazy. And it takes 20 years for research to get into the mainstream. So right. it's all new. Right. And the, and the social milieu or environment is, is ready for it, too. And so. So the body, I mean, really, here we are, like you said, talking about so much about the mind, but the body is where we have to ultimately begin. Is that what you would say? Yeah. There's really no way to improve mental brain health without improving body health first. Oh, Right. Yeah, well, true. And and that's also, I mean, I guess if you, it's also physical and, you know, where we can start to see the most and feel the most improvement before, I mean, that's we right. can't like just dive into our brains and be like, oh yeah, that, that neural pathway is all of a sudden linking. Like right. you actually can exactly. start to see things in the physical realm. hundred percent. Yeah. And well, and like I tell my clients that brain becomes body. Um, right. it's all one thing. It's not like they're separate, right, right? right? It's one system, but, but brain becomes body. And, um, you know, I sometimes get pushed back from people who don't have the latest research, which is okay. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean like the simplest thing, the simplest analogy, simple, 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 right. Is like, try to have a positive thought when you're hungover. Mm. Like, yeah. Why, that sucks. It's not going to happen, right. <laughs> no. It's not going to happen. Right. If I came in at like five o'clock in the morning, it was like, all right, Leanne, get up, let's go. We're going to go for a hike. We're going for a walk. We're going to make the day great. And like you're hungover or you did that to me. Both of us were probably like, fuck you, right? right exactly. But if the night before you had a nice, easy dinner with digestive enzymes and alkalinity and you're hydrated and you got nice seven, eight hours of sleep and you went to bed early and you slept well in the right temperature and then you, you know, you'd probably be up before five if that was the case mm-hmm. and you'd have a great mental state because your body's in a good state, 
right? That's the simplest analogy I can, I can bring to like why the body's so important. And trauma lives in our fascia, Mm-hmm. immune system, endocrine system, and nervous system. It lives everywhere, right? Uh, and the vagus nerve goes everywhere. Um, it literally goes pretty much the whole like torso up. And so sometimes when people have all these chronic health issues, they think they have these multi-symptomatic issues, but it's just one symptom, which is like down-regulated vagal tone that shows up in different parts of the body because the vagus nerve attaches everywhere. Right. So yeah, you want to focus somatically in the body and the world's best functional medicine doctors you know, they're going to do your lipid profile. They're going to look at your inflammation, C-reactive protein. They might get an EEG or brain scan. Those are all great. But the most cutting-edge functional medicine doctors know that with every chronic health issue is a, is a correlated, if not causal, chronic emotional issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're paired together. And what happens is it's not that, like, your emotions gave you cancer or whatever, endometriosis, like whatever the, the thing is. But when you have a dysregulated emotional body – your immune system gets dysregulated, your endocrine nervous system right. gets dysregulated, and chronic illness will show up in areas where you are most susceptible. Got it. Does that make sense? So it's not like it's your fault, but it's like right. the cancer will find the area where your immune system is the weakest. Like, okay, we're right. going to metastasize here, right? Interesting. And there's like a reason why it's there, right? So I'm not saying it's just about you know, do the emotional work and you cure cancer, but if you're not doing the emotional work on your cancer journey or any chronic health journey, it's yeah. not a complete it's not a complete treatment plan either. Yep. So it's it's very profound. And the same thing's true for mental health disorders. Go down the list, right? Go down right. the list. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about trauma, what are if people are out there going, Oh, I don't think I have that much trauma in my life, um, you know, what oh, yeah. are what are some of the symptoms that show up? <laughs> I always this is a great question. Um <laughs> Okay, so uh, anxiety, depression, overthinking, procrastination, Check. Check. not being able to complete goals, uh, relationship, not being able to like uh, be in like well maintained relationships, not knowing how to ask for help, um, always giving too much help, um, being in non reciprocal relationships where you're either giving or taking more than the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a few things. I mean, obviously, if you have a diagnosis, there's like basically three or four diagnoses in the DSM that are meant that are medical. The rest mm-hmm. are basically different ways the nervous system gets dysregulated because of emotional trauma. Um, and uh, if you have any diagnosis basically from the DSM, there's probably trauma there too. Um, so yeah, basically all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. All of it. What, um, when it comes to generational trauma, um, how does that work in our overall Trump trauma blueprint? Well, um, yeah, so the, the fancy term is called epigenetics, which yes. is basically like how our genes turn on and off based on our environment, right? Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because like we adapt to our environment to survive, right? And the thing about epigenetics is that we know, it's very clear, like if you look at like uh, there's some studies on Holocaust survivors, there's studies on Civil War um, families that had like um, someone die. I mean, like, there's so many different studies. I can send you links afterwards if you want. Yeah. And like, like things like methylation pathways change based on what trauma the family had beforehand, right? Okay. So like how you uh, methylate, which is like a very important process in the body that can really mess you up or really set you straight mm-hmm. uh, with all kinds of different things, um, like gets turned on or off or, or up regular, down regular based on your family's history, right? And mm-hmm. think about this, right? This is when I figured this out. It was like so trippy. So you, your mother had you, mm-hmm. but the egg yes. <laughs> was made in her mother. Yeah. So I was actually carried. We all were. Right. And our grandmother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, whoa, that's like whatever. So that's mind blowing. There's all yeah. kinds of data to suggest that when a baby is in the womb, there's a whole field of psychology called perinatal psychology, which mm-hmm. is like basically in the womb. Right. Perinatal psychology. What? It's amazing. Right. <laughs> Um, and what we know is that, you know, information's passed to the child through the mother, through the blood and through the hormones of whatever she's experiencing, the child's experiencing, which makes sense because it's preparing the child for the environment they're going to be born into. Right. Um, and so all these things leave imprints over time and they become these patterns that just get passed down, uh, over time, both, um, both in a family system, but also societally, right. Cause generational trauma, yeah. you know, looks like racism too. Like why are we racist right. in America? Well, we're racist because America was founded upon a principle that we cannot have economic prosperity without black people being won down to white people. That's why we're racist. Right. And like, we're messing with that, which needs to be messed with that power dynamic right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But that just gets passed down because it's like, has so much momentum culturally. And then what happens is in America, it's so sad. 
Even more than your genetic code, your zip code determines your health outcomes. And there are studies that have been released that show that people who only live a few miles apart, depending on the affluence in those communities, have like 30, 40 year life expectancy differences. That's crazy. Just based on zip code, right? That's crazy. Right. And that just becomes institutionalized. right? Right. And then it becomes normalized. And then enough time passes and people think this is how it's always been. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's my favorite. Oh, this is just how it is, you know? And yeah. that's, I, I know for my own self, I'll have trauma responses or, you know, um, nervous system dysregulation to things that I know I haven't had that experience. Like, yeah. but though I know it's somewhere in my family and that, you know, that mm. I feel like I carry a lot of that. Um, and there has been, I think that was a really big aha moment for me to go, oh, so I don't have, it doesn't have to be my own personal experience to still have that oh, yeah. system dysregulation. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, where, by the way, where did you learn that? Did you just figure that out or did you learn that somewhere? I just, I think I kind of just been, I mean, I've read a lot about it, but I, before that I was open. I just kind of, wow. it was an aha moment of like, oh wait, I don't have to. Yeah. I don't, I, these aren't my experiences, but why yeah. am I so, why does this freak me out so much? Because I've never had this experience before. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I think I'm just super sensitive <laughs> to shit. So oh. I, yeah, I just, you know, I've, I've, I've always been very open and aware to things, but, and I think that can sometimes, yeah, it's very, it's just very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it sure can be. And you know, well, what's interesting about that is uh, there's a modality, you probably know about it. If not, I'll be happy to tell you about it, but yeah. you probably know. It's called Internal Family Systems. Mm-hmm. Dr. Richard Schwartz created it. And like, I wish, I want to be Richard Schwartz when I grow up. That dude is just like yeah. so awesome. He's so awesome. I don't know um, a lot about it, but I do know of it. And it is fascinating. Yeah, it's the, dude, the dude, that guy, like, I want to, I, I just, I want to be like a version of him when I grow up because <laughs> he's just, he's just such a wise person. Um, yeah. But Anyway, uh, he, he, it's a long story. I'm not going to go into what, what IFS is, but it basically helps you understand like there's multiple parts of your of your of your personality and how they get in the way and how they collaborate and how they can start to work together or not. It's a very valuable modality. But the cool thing about Schwartz is that they do like studies and they document their clients because he knows how to do all that stuff. And in IFS, like if you have a part come up, like if you have like anxiety come up or depression come up, you like literally can take your hand and like go there. And like mm-hmm. talk to it. Mm-hmm. And you can say like, is this mine or mm-hmm. someone else's? Mm-hmm. Right. And the part will tell you if it's yours or someone else's. Right. And that sounds weird and woo-woo, but it's actually based on a lot of efficacy and clinical data. It just hasn't come to the surface yet. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about is a documented phenomenon in, in the clinical tri- in settings. Right? That's amazing. Which well, is then, so cool. But we go, of course, we go straight to the mind and are like, oh, I'm totally making this shit up. But you're not. Well, you, well no, you are. I mean, you are. I mean, you but, are, but you're but, not. But for a good reason. Yeah. For a good reason. Like it's, it's, it's an unconscious, like what the fuck, what is creativity? You're making shit up. That's what it is. Right. You make shit up. Yes. Right? What is channeling? You're making shit up. Well, this is stuff that's coming up. That's in there. Right. So yeah, make it up, but don't discount the fact that you made it up because it's there for a reason. Right. Like that's about trusting your intuition, your right. body, your somatics. Um, but, but, but I think what you mean is um, I'm just kind of inventing it. Like it, it just right. kind of came out of nowhere. Right. And like the body doesn't work yes. that way. Yeah. Right. The nervous system will always present something that's there for you to work through. And it's 100% valid. Um, and like for me, I don't think I've ever said this publicly. So this is be the first time. Um, I ran into some major problems in 2020 in my body that mm-hmm. would have happened whether or not COVID happened. So let's be clear about that. I couldn't walk for six months because my feet were so, especially my left side, my left ankle. It was just so much pain. Oh, wow. And I won't get into the story because it's a very long story. But bottom line is I was doing all this somatic work and I had this major fascial release And a flood of emotion came back, like thousands of memories, literally. All these memories came back of abandonment. And um, it was really intense. And it was all from like the same pattern over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. And then I I held my foot, I talked to my foot, and I said, if I were you, I would not want to move forward either. If we're Mm going to be abandoned like that, right? What was interesting is, like a month or two later, I was like deep into physics and deep into my family history. And my family history is I'm a DuPont. So I'm going to the DuPont company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they make like Kevlar and nylon and all this type of stuff. All right. I, was, I felt really called to connect with like other members of my family. And I found some family members online who are my age. And one of them, uh, and because the thing about the DuPont family I've always known is like we made gunpowder for like, the French Indian War, for the Civil War. Thank, mostly it was for the North, thank God. Right. right. But what my family member told me was DuPont made 
This is so heavy. Tupont made the plutonium used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh, wow. Right. And I've always felt this like connection to the Manhattan Project in like not a good way. Uh-huh. And like I felt like this my whole life, this like I'm making up for something. I felt this my whole life. Like, And then when I was like I, I put it all together, I go, oh, my God. I talked to my foot again and I put together like my foot didn't want one more DuPont fucking up the world. Right. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah, like wow. it was like it was like That's no amazing. more. No more. And here I am working like why is this white guy, six five, working on trauma? Like, holy cow, like I feel like I'm on the I'm on the oppressor side. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, you know, I'm happy World War II turned out the way that it did, but that's not the point. The point is millions of people died, you know, right. as yeah. a result, direct result of my family and our influences. Um, but when I made peace with that, all these things started to unfold in really beautiful ways, right? That's not mine. I didn't, I didn't make the nuclear bomb. I didn't make gunpowder, but that's so in my cells and my DNA. Like my grandfather on, my great grandfather on back, and then five back to the founder of DuPont were all scientist businessmen. Wow. <laughs> right? Which is really trippy to think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it shows up on all sides, the oppressed and the oppressors, right? Because I feel like my family was a big part of the, of, of the, right. the not-so-good side of the oppression of things. Right. Right? Um, so yeah, it's there. And But once I, once I got in touch with that and cleared it, it was like totally good. That's you know? so interesting. Um, and I work with it every day now. So yeah, generational trauma is no joke. For yeah, sure. no, that is, it's, yeah, it, to me, that stuff is fascinating. And it, I love that you're talking about um, normalizing, you know, everything, basically, bringing <laughs> things to the forefront. I was in a therapy session the other day, and I was, the hate came to the forefront, like really. Mm. And, and it's, you know, I grew up in, as a Southern Baptist, it was like, you were the good mm. girl, you know, like you, you have to love everything. And I'm all about, I'm all about the love. But hate is something that, I, especially when it comes to hating the love object, the parent or whatever it may mm-hmm. be that, oh, yeah. you know, birthed us into this world, it's just something you don't touch. And for me, just being able to speak it, just being able to bring it to the forefront was so powerful to start allowing that to dissolve, like you're saying, like to finding those pieces that are, that are so hidden in the back of yeah. our psyche, like, because we, uh, one way or the other, we're told that that was not appropriate, you know, that, that we don't touch those feelings. That's um, right. I think it's so important. And I like, it, you know, you're just talking about this with your foot. And I think for me, you know, having that experience the other day of just being able to, to honor what the true feeling that was there, um, yeah started to to open up things and i think you know i think people uh, you're talking about you know i'm I'm really kind of normalizing our emotional landscape i think that is so so important it's important and what you're describing by the way uh, is so profound so what's starting to open up and like what did you realize i'm just so curious i mean i know that you're asking the questions yeah no please feel free (laughs) first off it took me about 10 minutes to even go there like to be able to say, oh yeah, I, this is truly hate. Mm-hmm. Recognizing also like why, what that is keeping me from. Because, right. you know, for me, I think love uh, in my past very early on was experienced as pain. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Big so, time. yeah. So um, mm-hmm. that, that other charge um, has kept me from, from mm. that pain because kept me yeah. from loving because that's so painful. That's right. Well, I, and you know, I, I have a cross on my arm just so we're clear. It says be love. I don't know if you can see it. it oh says, yeah. Be love, love on that. it. Okay. Um, which to me is like the basic message of yeah. actual Christianity. Um, Agreed. but what you're, what you're describing is so, so Christian. And what I mean by that is, and I, I consider myself a Christian mystic, so it's super clear, but mm. If you look at like, especially the Old Testament message, it's like, love me, fear me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's called in attachment theory, disorganized attachment, where the source of my love is also the source of danger. Mm-hmm. That's a mixed message. How can I love and feel dangerous at the same time, right? And Christianity is full of disorganized attachment, um, except except for Jesus, right? When Jesus comes in and you actually okay. read the red letters, the actual red letters, right? Not <laughs> what Paul said later who never met Jesus, right? But like right. actual red letters, right? In the original Aramaic that they're written in, Right. The Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, if you get that, like you're good. Like Jesus was an attachment expert. He talks about having heart, love in your heart. That's called secure attachment. That's called a regulated nervous system. When Jesus says where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst, that's called co-regulation, which polyvagal theory says is mandatory for our survival, right? right? Like all that, he never said anything about gay, black, white, he never said nothing about none of that stuff, right? right? And 
the problem is, uh, I mean, God, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole you want to go, but <laughs> go if you if you do the research, uh, there's a book called The Gnostic Gospels by Harvard researcher Elaine Pagels. Mm-hmm. What she uncovers is that Jesus intended to pass down the church to Mag- Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And Peter got jealous and basically made that uh, not happen. And right there with Peter is the beginning of the patriarchy in the church right there. Um, and the other problem with Christianity is that there was no like plan for how to spread the gospel. So all the disciples disagreed about how to do it from the beginning, which is why there's so many sects of Christianity. Right. So, um, for me, um, when you talk about like, you know, like love and hate and all those things going together, that's like, that's, that's a very spot on sort of like fundamentalist Christian, which I grew up with as well, Mm -hmm. uh, bringing, but when you really look at like the core message of Jesus, which is love, right. Mm-hmm. And like, let the first without sins basically cast the stone, right? Um, what you're saying, like, you have to be honest with yourself. And there's a yeah. reason why. And I would, I would probably say the word hate would probably, you know, I would probably put language around that that might be like really, really significant justified anger, right? Like yes, justified anger. Yeah. And the reason why people get angry is because there's a need that wasn't met, yep. and that was made invisible. And because that need was made invisible you don't feel seen or heard, but right. I have to love somebody like that doesn't, that's not how this works. Yep. Right. That's not how this works. That's, that's a total, um, that's a total, uh, disorganized response. Come here, go away. What's dangerous is safe. And what you're coming into is like actual Christianity, which is called love. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's just love. It's very simple, right? It's actually all about love. Um, love your neighbor. But the pro here's the problem with Christianity. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're going to suck at loving your neighbor. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you even know, do we even know what love is if we don't love ourselves first? Right. And which part of yourself? You have so many parts. Right. Yes. Well, that's, and that's the thing. Let's, you know, let's love the one who hates. Let's love the one who, you know, but I always, I, I get that as a concept. And I think that it is, it is the ultimate concept of loving all of these parts of us. But like, sometimes I wonder we go back down to the body. It's like, what does that feel like? Like really, what does that feel like? And we're going to dive into that pretty deep question right after this very quick break. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles. It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing smart metabolic burn from brain MD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two in one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat and OEA, which curbs your appetite with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease you deserve a moment to yourself every single day and a delicious bite of a keebler sandies can give you that comforting pause don't forget to pack the melt in your mouth magic of a keebler sandies for a post errands pick me up this magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by ernie and the keebler elves so as life continues to fly by make the most of your me moment Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parish, from my new series, Parish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+.
Hello, loves. We are with Mast and Kip, and we're discussing what it means to truly love all the different complicated parts that make us our holy human selves. It feels like catharsis, where you just snot cry sometimes. Uh, it feels like like sometimes you have body shakes and stuff like that. Looking back on things when I was a manager, like I'm now understanding, like I work with a lot of performers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very interesting how performers work because it's almost like they have like this, like you know, multi, like three, four, five different emotional states that become these personalities of their performance personality, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, these three, four, five, or six are okay, but these 17 are not. Right, yes, completely. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and because that won't sell the tickets, that won't, you know, go, that won't be the hit song, that won't whatever, you know, the press. I mean, we worked with the Dixie Chicks in 2004, mm-hmm. and they oh, wow. talked about George Bush and, like, what yeah. was on their heart. And boom, right? Like, oh my, so like that part obviously wasn't welcome in the environment for their career, right? At that time. Now that they're trendsetters now, but like the whole point though, is that like performers get the message that like these specific parts of your personality are uh, acceptable Mm -hmm. and this stuff will like fuck everything up, not just for you, but for the team, for the management, for the agency, for the label, for the publisher, like all that type of stuff, right? What happens is the core of a traumatic experience is that you're not being seen, heard, or known for like all your parts, not just the parts that are shiny or, or cute or beautiful or whatever. Yeah. And the core, the goal is to get to know those parts and make them welcome. Yeah. With yourself. And well, when your you talk partner. about, I mean, performance, like we're all performing basically in some way. Totally. It's not just, yeah. you know, mine is extremely magnified. And I think that's why I started this podcast. That's why I've, I've started to use my voice in different ways because really, and by the way, like what happens to me before I come on a podcast is terrifying. I have terror. Mm. Like, really? you know what? Like oh my God. Fright? I, yes. No way. That's and, so cool to know. Uh, yeah. And I've never had stage fright. And since this pandemic, since being at home, I have started to have this experience when, before I start singing, when I open my mouth, it usually goes away, but like, it's, it's so interesting that the, I I think why it's happening for me on stage is because I'm becoming more human. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm inviting, I'm inviting all of myself to the party. And honestly, it's so uncomfortable (laughs) Like, yeah, because, you know, like you're saying, there's, there's a, there's the mask that we've, you know, presented to the world. And the more we start to take that off, um, you know, it's, it becomes very vulnerable to, you know, like I said, mine's magnified. It's not just like I'm being vulnerable with, um, you know, a few of my friends and my family. It's like, I'm being more vulnerable with the world and therefore they're, you know, what can come back at me (laughs) is, uh, is, can be painful. Big time, yeah. big time, 100%. And, and, and so I, I think when we talk about performance, it's not just, you know, it's not just the, it's not just performers like myself. It's everybody is performing at a certain level. Absolutely. Well, yeah, everyone learns very early on, like, okay, what parts of my personality are going to work here and what parts aren't, right? right. Um, and and, and they, they exile the parts that don't work. Mm-hmm. And part of trauma work is bringing those parts into the fold. And what's really interesting is, you know, I think personally the best art because there's like that emotional richness and vulnerability. And that's what the best art is, Mm -hmm. is basically honest, creative therapy. Oh, yeah. That's basically what it is. Yes. And I don't know about you, but the people I worked with in the past, you know, usually the song that they really needed to write or to or to get on tape, I said now it's Pro Tools or whatever, but um, (laughs) uh, it is the one that they're most scared to do. Oh, for sure. For sure. Has that been true for you? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I remember one of my first songs that I, I wrote this song called Borrowed, which my husband and I were going through an affair publicly and the whole deal. And I remember Mm. like that was the first time I was just so honest. It was, it was, I remember people telling me that's the most polarizing song. And I'm like, yeah, how do you think it felt inside? (laughs) But it was a rare, where I honestly, I felt for the first time I was being truly honest as a performer. And I, I think that since then, that's been my journey. And, you know, you talk a lot about purpose, which I think is so interesting because I think I've stopped myself from living my own purpose for so long. Like even just with this podcast, it's like I would have never touched this. And Mm. it took me so long to do it because I was I was totally afraid of that vulnerability. Yeah. You know, for as much as I use my voice, it's this is a new way of using my voice. 
you know, I grew up, was told not to have opinions and it's like, no one will buy your record if they don't like your opinion. And it's like, right. this is yeah, like yeah. Oh, breaking yeah. through some like serious trauma for myself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, you know, when we it's are so, living. Well, hold on, hold on. Can we yeah, just yeah. pause that? Can we just pause on that for a yes, second? What you just said sure. is such a big deal. <laughs> okay. And I just think it's so cool that you're Thanks. breaking through like this industry trauma, this family trauma, this like patriarchal trauma, and you're using your voice. That is so awesome. And I just don't want, I, I want you to keep going by. I just. <laughs> No, don't want to no. rush by that because that's just such a big deal, you Thank know? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. And every time I step up here, you know, to do this, it's painful. But I also know, like, I, I forgot who it is basically saying, like, choose your heart, you know? And it's like, this is, mm. you have a choice ultimately at the end of the day. And like, I would, mm. the the pain of not growing ultimately got too uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Like it, that, that hurt more than being uncomfortable and doing the thing that was uncomfortable, you know, but I'm growing in that process. So wait, so have you, I'm so curious, have yeah. you taken this new found part of your voice and honesty? Like, are you writing, are you doing music from that oh, place yeah. now? Like oh, yeah. during quarantine and stuff like that? Yeah. And it's, what's that it's, like? Oh, it's, um, it's amazing. And there's a real calling, I think, for me and very specifically what I put out into the world, like from a deeper, loving place, a very conscious place of what I'm putting in the world. And the music, I was, I'm in the studio right now, actually recording a record. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So the, the music, where it's coming from, I mean, I just sat back and listened to something the other day and I just started bawling. Like I cry all oh. the time because it just, it's so purposeful. You know, yeah. and and what whether whoever whoever's ears it ends up in, you know, great. But when you're when you're living from you know that purpose, uh, which I by the way have to remind myself of daily because oh, yeah. of nervous system dysregulation, and it's like all of a sudden you can freeze and be like, I can't do this anymore. Totally. <laughs> oh yeah. Anymore. Right to red. Straight to red. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That purpose piece. Like I think my. Interestingly enough, I you know I was born with a gift. I always thought that my my voice was my purpose. And my husband and I were talking about this the other night. And he's like, that's just a tool. I was mm. like, that's so true. I confused for so long. Wow. I wow. confused my tool with my purpose. And yeah. my purpose really started to blossom, I think, in the last maybe two or three years. Was I able Ugh. to finally start to go, oh, I, uh, I can, I feel comfortable ish enough to start scaring the shit out of myself. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so good. Basically what it that is. That is amazing. You know, it's so incredible. I, I just, I love, I just love what you're saying because, you know, I guess as you know, when I was doing a lot of management and then now I work with like, you know, I work with a long, uh, a wide variety of people. Um, but when I work with people who are very successful externally, um, there's, a, there's not always, but a lot of times there's a lot of dysregulation and I always find it so fascinating for, you know, people who are listening to this. They'd be like, oh, my God, that's Leanne Rimes. What are you talking about? Like, you're living your purpose <laughs> just now. Like, what were you doing before? Right. I can't even imagine what's next. But I just love that that's because it's for you is what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. It's really about you and what you want. It's not about the external pressures and the external expectations, which there are so many of yeah. uh, when you're an artist. And especially, the, I think the worst thing sometimes that can happen to an artist is they become successful because then yes. it's like, fuck, now I have to recreate that. I have to do what I did again. Again, yes. there's like all the stress and pressure and sales and all that type of stuff. Um, and it's amazing. But I think the best artists are the ones who are willing to fail and who reinvent themselves you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. But that comes from that honesty and it's so hard to get there. So I, I'm just kind of blown away. You only really felt personal the last couple of years. That's just, I mean, I'm just kind of mind blown by that, but it also makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And I'm excited to hear like what's next in Thanks. terms of what, you, what comes from this place too. It's going to be so... Uh, I'm so curious now. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's so interesting. I, I relate to you so much because, you know, like you said, you went from the industry into being a functional coach. I so appreciate growth and I know where I've come out of. I yeah. know where I'm at and I, I know I have so much more that I'd like to to grow into, but I know where I've come out of and I, I find that this work is so important and not just, oh, yeah. not just for someone like me, but for everybody like who wants to who wants to know joy in their life. Yeah, that's right. I find your work really, really helpful. So thank you. Uh, thank well, you for sharing your wisdom here. Of course. Oh my God. I, I, I feel like I've met like a long lost friend. I know. I love it. <laughs> Since you were in the music industry, we do have to know, I'm sure you have oh. some great 
music that you're into. So my holy five, what are your top five songs and why? Well, these are my top five songs right now because trying okay. to do when, when I was asked my top five songs of all time, I was like, that's impossible. <laughs> I just can't do that to the other songs. Right. Yeah, I just, I just, right. it's so impossible, you know? Um, uh, but so these are my top five songs right now. Um, okay. So a friend of mine just told, uh, shared this song with me a couple days ago and it's by Andy Grammer called wish you pain. Oh. Um, and it's an amazing song about at first you listen to it and it sounds like, why do you want me to have pain? Right. But it's actually like about breaking through all the pain mm. and the way that he's core, you know, the way he sort of orchestrates it, and the tone and the, the key that it's in and all that type of stuff. And I love this song because it's about growing through the hard stuff. Got it. Um, which it. is really cool. I know that it might sound strange, but I wish you So Kesha made the list twice, actually. Oh, wow. Very cool. She has a new song called Chasing Thunder out right now. Uh-huh. I think it's just such a fun kind of like spring, summer song that I'm loving right now. Love it. And then if you haven't seen it, her song Shadow. I love that song. Yes. Okay, cool. But did you see the TED Talk version of it? Um, but then Shadow is kind of like her like triumphant, like almost like dust off your shoulder. Like I'm, I'm done with this shit. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to live in my truth. And I just, I just love that song. Like, yeah, okay. Great. And then, um, uh, oh yeah. So there's another, uh, there's a, a group of artists called Beautiful Chorus. I'm not sure if you've oh, heard yeah, Beautiful Chorus. Oh yeah, I love them. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I love Beautiful Chorus and I've actually been listening to their song, Breathe It In, which yes. is actually a very short song. You know it? Breathe it in, breathe yeah. it out, let it go. sound great singing <laughs> and then um there's another song and i think it's i don't know if it's a, a new song or if it's a remix of an old song but my friend stevie Oki just dropped a song um with kiara and rob thomas called used to be oh cool and it got me in all rob. the feels It got me in all the field yeah. comments about you know, trying to see the, your real self, um, but you're kind of hidden in this kind of darkness. It's just, it's just such a good song. I so. love that. I love that some of these songs, I love the artists. I find that we are sometimes, once something gets put into the creative world, I feel like we all kind of like get fed from it in a way. Yeah, and like totally. all of a sudden you'll start seeing people write similar things and you're yeah. like, oh, we're all feeding off of this kind of conscious at, consciousness at this moment in time yeah, and totally. creating it, you know? So yeah, that's so Big fascinating. Time. Love it. Yeah. And, and then my next favorite song is whatever you release next, because I can't yes. wait to listen to it. Seriously, uh, yes. I can't. I'm so like curious now and excited about it. Thank you. You go check out, I, I released a song not long ago called Throw My Arm around the world um which is uh the first kind of song off the new record yeah. check that out that's yeah. exciting well that is so so exciting to hear and that's awesome and thank you for having me this has yeah. been such a joy thank you so much it's so nice to meet you you too thank Yay. you so much bye And that wraps up this episode of Holy Human. Thank you all so much for spending your time with me as always. And I want to hear from you too. So feel free to share your comments and your thoughts with me in the comment section, wherever you're listening. And if you think this episode might help someone else that you know, please pass it along. I'll see you next time. On the next episode of Holy Human, you'll meet the incredibly inspirational force of nature known as Jeffrey Marsh. 
They'll join me to share their unique yet universal perspective on gender, unconditional love, acceptance, and so much more. And you guys, I cannot tell you how much I love them. They are insanely incredible. I can't wait to share this episode with you. Holy Human with me, Leanne Rhymes, is a production of iHeartRadio. You'll find Holy Human with Leanne Rhymes on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get the podcasts that matter most to you. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.